0: Hi, this is Mike Mayo. I usually do a money management program for KXLY on the weekends. However, this past weekend, the station management elected to not have what they called unnecessary people in the studio over the weekend. So, no show. Uh, But in any case, I wanted to put together some thoughts uh, for our clients so at least you'd have some insight into what I felt was going on over the past week. Now, last Monday, the 9th of March, was the 11th anniversary of the start of the bull market. Well, here's how the market recognized that achievement over the past week. And using the S&P 500 as a reference point, the daily percentage moves were, on Monday, we were down 7.6%. On Tuesday, we were up 4.9%. Wednesday, we were off another 4.9%. Thursday, the market elevator took us down by 9.5%, and on Friday, it took it back up by 9.3%. So, for the week, uh, the averages posted losses with the Dow off 10%, S&P 500 and NASDAQ each down about 8% each. Now, since the end of World War II, this is by far the fastest the market has ever gone from an all-time high into a bear market. It was uh, 22 days, if you're counting, or 16 trading days. In any case, the previous record drop was in 87 when the decline took eight weeks to drop the 20%. We've had no other post-war decline that's even come close. Now, additionally, gold was down more than 9% for the week. It lost more than 30% since the 27th of February and due to the opec uh, wranglings i guess you could call them o- uh, oil lost 24% for the week and lower by 45% for the year this makes energy the worst performing s&p 500 sector for the year so far Now, markets aren't perfect. The world situation certainly isn't 10% worse than it was a week ago Wednesday or 20% worse than it was just a couple weeks ago. That's the drops of the market. This market action has perhaps been even more discombobulating to money as just last year, the major averages all averaged only daily moves of less than 1%. Here in the 12 uh, past trading days, we've seen the average price change being well above 3%. So neck braces for everybody, it would appear. Now, it certainly looks as if alarmists have won the first virus battle. market looks like it's panic-driven by emotions and speculation, certainly not rational thinking. And this is uh, exacerbated by it also being the first global crisis, crisis in the social media age. Now, what you see and read on uh, mainstream media, Facebook and Twitter, is definitely not representative of 98% of the comp- country. Having spent the last couple months traveling around the western U.S., attending workshops, meeting clients, most of the people I've encountered seem to be doing life as usual. What we've learned from social media in the last decade is that, number one, information spreads really fast, and number two, false information (laughs) spreads fastest because it's more sensational, and number three, tribal identities are heightened when debates take place online versus in person, so, healthy debate quickly goes into a me versus your team kind of battle. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, FDR said uh, the only thing we had to fear is fear itself. Now, he's still right, though he said that in an era when the only information sources were newspapers, and those were edited and fact checked by professionals and written by journalists who weren't primarily motivated by likes, retweets, or even pays per click. Now, make sure you're reading trusted sources and avoiding all the clickbait nonsense. You know, be be aware of those who do use this virus only to gather eyeballs and clicks. And yet, even when the mainstream media gets it right, they're creating a false perception of this potential pandemic, of what it is. The 24-7 coverage implies that nothing else matters all that much and that we must focus incessantly, obsessively on the virus. That's completely misleading. As I said, not everyone is panicking. It's just that you're only hearing from those people who are and who want you to join them because everything's tribal. Humans tend to be herd creatures, feel safer together, especially during market dislocations. And when, quote-unquote, everybody is seemingly doing the same thing, quote-unquote, everybody gets confirmation they've made the the right decision. Uh, You might use toilet paper purchases as a reference. Nobody wants to be alone on an island. It's much more comfortable to panic with your peers than to stay the course on an island. Further, if you've only started investing, oh, I don't know, in the last 15 years, your reactions may be overdone simply because now, instead of just reading and intellectualizing about 1973, 1982, 87, 2002, etc., you're now an active participant and not just an observer. I'd say that can also change your attitude just a bit. And... Your attitude will determine how you respond to all this. When you can't control what's happening, your challenge is to control the way you respond to what is happening. And 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 this is a multidisciplinary problem. It's part biology, part statistics, part politics, sociology, psychology. You you name it. Uh, a German psychologist. Uh, <laughs> forgive me about the, the pronunciation, but his first name's Gerd. I got that. Giger Enzer, Giger Enzer, yeah, Gerd Giger Enzer said this in his book called Risk Savvy, and I'm quoting, people aren't stupid, the problem is our educational system has an amazing blind spot concerning risk literacy. We teach our children the math of certainty, geometry, trigonometry, but not the math of uncertainty, statistical thinking. And we teach our children biology, but not the psychology that shapes their fears and desires. Even experts, shockingly, are not trained how to communicate risk to the public in an understandable way, unquote. I think that last part's been pretty evident. In any case, the stock market today is still higher than it was in December 18, and that was after a big sell-off. It's higher than it was in late 2017, when many smart people were amazed at just how high it was. But no one can say, oh, you should therefore still feel rich today. That isn't how it works uh, with investors, whether rational or not. People tend to judge their well-being relative to others around them and relative to how they themselves have done in the past. That's why a drop feels bad. You're just looking at the most recent prices, not looking at it in context. Stock market is not the economy. The economy is driven by businesses, consumers, and the government, while the market is driven by the big three, fear, hope, and greed altogether, or (laughs) one or the other being the uh, lead dog, if you will. The primary reason many individuals fail as long-term investors, this according to Warren Buffett's mentor, Ben Graham, he said that quote, they pay too much attention to what the stock market is doing currently, unquote. Intelligent investors, he insisted, don't need superior intellect, training, or even expertise. Instead, intelligence in his mind, consists of patience, independence, and self-control. He said, and again, quoting, the true investor scarcely is ever forced to sell his shares, and at all other times, he is free to disregard the current price quotation, unquote. Now, if you look at all the whole of S&P 500 history, you'll see a lot of sharp declines from high and high marks that usually don't mark the start of something long, grinding, and ugly most often they mean a rebound is hiding nearby and with the S&P currently about 2700 and if we use 1.6% yield for the 10-year treasury note that was pre-sell off obviously it shows the market discounting a 55% drop in corporate profits now using today's yield of about 0.9% that suggests a corporate profit drop of 70% now if you go back to the 2008-09 recession We saw profits drop 46% in a full-blown, oh-my-goodness recession. So how do what we're seeing now make any sense from a logical basis? The irony is that long-term thinking is most powerful when everything feels like it's falling apart. Most of your long-term life results are determined by decisions made during a minority of times, and right now it appears to be one of those minority times. It's a very bad time to become short-sighted and a great one to keep your wits about you. You know, there's always been volatility in the stock market, always will be. That's guaranteed as long as humans are the ones making the buy and sell decisions. And in the short term, market downturns feel like they'll never end. In the long term, all corrections look like buying opportunities. So regardless of how long this correction asks, lasts excuse me to win in the stock market over the long haul, you've got to be willing to see these losses over the short term. Now, in the short term, the reasons for market sell-offs feel like they matter a lot. And in the long term, investors tend to forget the specific reasons stock fell in the past. Remember that when your progress isn't measured in decades, you're long-term investing. The success of your results and performance shouldn't be measured by quarters. You know, this is a great time, too, for 401k type accounts, 403b, TSPs, because you're now buying low and adding more shares to your positions. Don't stop contributing. To do so would violate the reasons you're investing in these things in the first place. Writing out this goofy decline is how you earn the premium returns of stocks when the firestorm of fear burns itself out and the permanent advance resumes. Forget about what the stock market's going to do. Nobody knows. Instead, focus on what you as an investor need to do. Keys to your investing success over the next year may be summed up probably in a couple things. One, don't panic. That's always rule, number one. And two, have patience. History suggests we'll see more volatility as whatever passes for normal is restored. And to quote Jim Cramer, I don't always do that, but he, I think he made some sense here. He said this on Friday. There's trillions of dollars on the sideline waiting and waiting and waiting. They've got what they've been waiting for. How can you not start buying here unless you are just so fearful? Amen to that, James. <laughs> well... Prices are low. Good companies remain good companies. Don't let uncertainty get in your way. Be sure and listen to Opus 111's Mike Mail every Saturday morning on 920 AM KXLY in Spokane. Stream the show on KXLY.com or subscribe to this podcast and we'll bring the latest episode to you. Securities offered through KMS Financial Services.